Hello everybody and welcome back to another fantastic episode of your Heart in the Paint podcast, the NBA podcast where we ask the hard questions about the NBA. I am your host Matt, again joined by Michael. And today on this Black Friday recorded episode of this amazing NBA experience, we've got plenty of league updates for y'all, uh, particularly from the smorgasbord of games that happened uh, the night before Thanksgiving all through the league and uh as well as uh we hope you all had a fantastic turkey day and so with that uh we'll hop right into it but first uh we'd like to give a word to our sponsor for this episode of heart in the paint podcast dell so of course uh everyone knows dell famous for their computers and uh intel uh based processors they put all inside their machines they've got plenty of things to pick from particularly on this uh black friday slash cyber monday weekend you can get inspiron laptops for as low as 6 30 uh you can get monitors you can get you know backpacks speakers you know any of these uh computer tech needs you might have and even if you want a little more of the upscale side you can even hop into the alienware arena for some of their discounts uh you can get with dell so choose dell for your next computer and use uh code heart in the paint for 10 percent off your first purchase uh just hop on over to dell.com and when you check out use promo code hard in the paint and let them know that we sent you and so with that let's kick things off with potentially the weirdest thing that happened in the past two <laughs> days a football gamer or a football player in a game scores a touchdown and then does what michael he celebrated with the now infamous markel fultz free throw motion so Markel Fultz, of course, I think it was probably Monday of this week or it was earlier on this week. He did a... Uh, it was like a hot potato kind of pass between his hands before he actually took the shot. Yeah, a non-traditional free throw routine, call it, you know, PC-wise, but potentially the most ugly free throw uh, <laughs> we've ever seen. And, of course... Everybody agrees <laughs> on that one, uh, and it's kind of turned into a meme now. And uh, a football player uh, believed that would be the best way to celebrate a field goal. But the problem is, is he did the hot potato routine and then made the shot. You're supposed to miss it. It's Markel Fultz. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it was it was a little weird to watch on TV. I'm not gonna lie. There was a lot of buildup, and it wasn't very clear as to what they were building to. And then once they finally kind of set up alongside the lane, it kind of made sense. But yeah, it's an inside joke for <laughs> us NBA fans. Of course, I didn't for see the game live, the, but yeah, I mean, well, I mean, the ratings for the NFL are down, so maybe this is some Adam Silver uh, karma here. Yeah, you got to mooch off your successful sports franchises. So, what happened with uh, Duke, speaking of sports franchises? Yikes. So I actually got to see part of this was the uh, <laughs> Duke-Gonzaga-Maui tournament finals. <laughs> and the zone defense was just too much for Duke to like strategize against. I don't know. They just looked really kind of out of rhythm the whole game. Yeah, I mean, you know, full disclosure, we're only talking about this game because Duke lost. Um, otherwise, we would pretty much ignore them until probably next NBA draft when they're probably going to go 1, 2, and 4, most likely, in the picks. Yeah, it's pretty scary thinking about... I think everybody had these written off kind of like the Warriors, where it's like, all right, you know, these guys are going to get to the championship round and they're probably going to win, but it's funny to see them lose. Mm, very much so and you know just kind of general fuck duke so you know all's right in the world yeah it was a good thanksgiving speaking of uh thanksgiving and kind of related to it i personally on a personal level have uh done some some black friday shopping nifty nifty black friday shopping and 
one of those things. Tell people that, what you got. One of those things that I have finally gotten around to buying with all this disposable income is a Microsoft Surface Pro tablet with the Surface Pro Pen. So now I can go, you know, draw an animated version of Markel Fultz's free throw routine, copyright that, and get all of the karma possible on the NBA subreddit. Now, it's actually something I've been wanting a long time. My, my old laptop's starting to bite the dust, and uh, I'm going to be traveling a lot, so I, I need something a little more versatile than uh, my big Unkin gaming desktop. So all in all, uh, you know, saving 500 bucks feels pretty good. Definitely uh, a budget-friendly sort of Black Friday for me. You know, most of the years... I end up looking at stuff and just kind of being like, oh, you know, that'd be cool, but I don't really need it. It's like something I wasn't going to buy anyways. And honestly, there wasn't wasn't anything too crazy this year for other things, you know, video games or other electronics shoes. or shoes or apparel or any of that stuff. It was just like pretty... I think it was a combination of mediocre discounts and all of these stores kind of doing the artificial price inflation sort of behind closed doors. Mm. You know, kind of like the, the JCPenney motto of put it on sale but raise its price to make up for it. That's a good point. Or it might just be the fact that everything's moved almost solely to online shopping. Yeah. That too. Most of the time... I think the past couple of years when I was going to buy something, it ended up being sold out online. <laughs> so I'm glad to have finally made my uh, Black Friday. Well, I guess I technically did it on Thursday. So Black Thursday uh, wallet happy. Speaking of yeah. a happy wallet, I was also happy <laughs> with the just severe uh, plethora of games that we had on Wednesday night. I mean, you yeah. have matchups Stuffed. going cross-conference, interdivision, all sorts of just... A homecoming for a king. A lot of good uh, narratives going on in Wednesday. So why don't you kick us off, Michael? What do you think about Wednesday? Yeah, I guess uh, at a high level, a lot of these games are very close. Um, kind of unusual that in... I think on that night, there was 12, 14 games, something crazy. And I think 10 or 11 of them were like relatively under um, 10 points kind of victories, which is kind of unusual to see, especially with you would think with the high pace and high scoring and the three ball that, um, you know, a handful of threes, right? Like if another team gets three more threes than another, it, you know, that's already a nine point gap. So you would think that these games would be more divergent rather than closer. Um, but also just kind of, a lot of different styles kind of going on right now in the NBA. And everyone's kind of moving to high pace, high scoring, switchable defending and things. But you still see some of these kind of standout performances. Um, one in particular was kind of Kyle Lowry. Um, you know, Toronto went to Atlanta and, I mean, they easily won that game. But he put up 21, 12, and 17 in the box. Kind of, uh, you know, Kyle Lowry, I think, might be leading the league in assists this season. Just kind of unusual, you know. I think a lot of people thought maybe without his uh, partner in crime, um, he might kind of be a little less engaged. But if anything, he's become better on defense and definitely better at just kind of playing the point. Yeah, it's kind of weird. I think, I think this is kind of a trend that I don't think anybody really saw working out. You know, it's like, mm. all right, Kawhi can now defend, and, and Danny Green to an extent can defend their like premier perimeter threat. And then Lowry can kind of play like the slot position, kind of like Steph does in Golden State, where he can kind of just swipe in and he doesn't have to be like 100% on D and then kind of take a break on offense. And on top of that, he's got so many more options to work with. You know, you think. All right, they kind of ditched DeRozan, who really isn't the best guy you want to be, like, driving and kicking to on a regular basis. You know, he's kind of your driver and kicker. So now that Lowry is a little more of that, he's got better things to distribute to. You know, Kawhi's a better spot-up shooter, and Danny Green, of course, has made his namesake for that. So 
uh, it, it makes sense. I just, I don't think anybody really saw it coming this loudly. Yeah, I think a lot of, I mean, you know, at least for myself, I kind of thought Kyle Lowry's numbers might start dipping. Um, just as he gets older, like his game doesn't necessarily translate well with age. This is like a very kind of grinding kind of style of play, but he's working out. Um, another one was uh, kind of this battle of MVP frontrunners right now between Embiid and Anthony Davis. And Philly ended up edging New Orleans uh, 121 to 120. Anthony Davis missed the uh, tying free throw, giving Philly the win. But it's kind of this matchup of these uh, two seven-footers kind of going at it. Yeah, this was a – I saw some of the highlights for this game, and really the interesting part that stuck out to me was uh, they were defending, like, they were getting a pick-and-roll with a switch and then putting, like, Simmons in the post. And then, like, mm-hmm. Anthony Davis would be guarding him, and if he wasn't, then he would just... Ben would just take him in on the inside, or Embiid, or whoever it was. It was, like, kind of like whoever offense against not Anthony Davis in the post. <laughs> and, and I mean, it's a good strategy. <laughs> and uh, for, like, a good amount of minutes in that game, uh, the Pelicans were playing, like, big ball with, like, Miritich... Randall and Randall and AD, yeah, all on the floor together, which is yeah. seems weird to me, considering like Philly's strategy of like four perimeter players and like Embiid. You know, it's like I I don't think the I think the strategy was off. What do you What do you make of Embiid and Anthony Davis? Uh... Probably right now, probably kind of like a one, two, three, an MVP voting right now. Who do you think has got the edge? Feels bad, but I think Davis has the edge. Um, Just because of the lack of talent on the team? Yeah, I mean, Drew Holiday has kind of come into his own since last year, but you got to think they're in the West. A lot less talent. You know, he was... Mm. A front runner last year uh, is probably going to play, you know, all 82 games. Well, he did post uh, a five by five on that on that Wednesday game. That's true. That's arguably harder than a 30 20. Um, I guess moving on to a different game. Uh, Charlotte beat Indy 127 to 109. This is one of the few games that was pretty much a blowout um, right around kind of the third quarter. Uh, what do we make of Cardiac Pack Kemba? I don't get this, like, catchphrase for him. <laughs> like, is it because he, he's, like, high-pressure moments State and hits State. big nope. shots? or no, nope, it's just an NC State thing. <laughs> I've seen this Cardiac Kemba thing going around. I, I'm not a fan of it. we got to think of a better name for that guy. Uh, future All-Star Kemba Walker? All-Star starting point guard Kemba Walker? Uh... Best point guard in the East right now, Kemba Walker. No, that Kyle Lowry performance is pretty nice too. That's a good point, but right now Kemba's putting up like almost thirty points a game. I mean, that's that's pretty significant on a team that doesn't usually have a second threat. Is that the leading scorer right now in the NBA? He might be, but I'm trying to think. I think somebody else might. Thirty is pretty doggone high. Um, let's see who else could have pop- maybe Steph. Steph's, I mean, until he got injured, he was putting up like close to 28, 29, 30. Uh, Dane, Dane might be up there, and Bede might even be up there. Bede's been up some right. monster numbers. We're gonna need a Google moment here. <laughs> no worries, I'll uh, <laughs> you Google, I'll just keep talking. So, Kemba's up in his contract here. Um, the kind of touted 2019 free agency class, but. As we've seen, Clay, Jimmy, Kawhi, Kyrie, they've all kind of made notion that they might stick to their kind of current uh, team. So Kemba might be one of the bigger names in that class now, uh, besides Kevin Durant and then the Washington backcourt. All right, so um, the verdict is oh, yeah. the magical world of Google. Uh, actually, James Harden right now is leading in points per game. Oh, well, he had a big game on Wednesday as well. 
Yeah, so he's got 29, and then it's actually uh, LeBron and Kemba are behind him at 28.8. So, that's that's good. I mean, if Kemba becomes a Laker, that's uh, it's a tight race. And then Embiid is just twenty eight point two. So you were actually pretty close there. Um, and you were right about Lowry leading in assists per game. <laughs> I, I do a little bit of research. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So speaking of the leading score, uh, James Harden, he had a massive game. Uh, against the Detroit Pistons and Houston kind of starting to turn around a little bit. I think they've ripped off 10 straight wins or something like that. Nine, nine straight, maybe um, they're kind of on the plus side of 500 and they beat Detroit 126 to 124. Harden had 43.7 rebounds and nine assists, which is kind of more of a vintage Harden performance that we were kind of expecting. Um, and then Blake Griffin, 37, 11, and 4. I mean... That's pretty good numbers for a guy we thought was washed up. That's a good point. And then uh, Clint Capella with 27 and 15. So what do you what do you think? Is Houston kind of back into that second slot in the West contender behind Golden State? I don't know. See, when you... I may be wrong. Maybe my barometer's a little off this year, but you know, I thought I thought we all thought Detroit was kind of like a you know, bottom two seeds in the East kind of team. You know, I thought, I thought nobody was really high on Detroit this year. Yeah, I mean, I think we, we kind of pegged them as kind of middle, somewhere in that kind of middle, on the bubble, maybe just falling out, kind of like the Clippers. But... And maybe the matchup isn't great. You know, I mean, who, who on Houston really defends against Blake? Uh, I mean, you could probably put Melo in that spot, but he's not there anymore. Yeah, I mean, it might just be a strength of schedule, right? I mean, they're in the same division as Cleveland and Chicago, so they're going to get wins there and then pretty much everything in the southeast. <laughs> so I, I think I think this is more of a, a testament to Detroit than it is a testament to Houston. It's like, all right, you know, Detroit can kind of hang in this, you know, with Drummond and Blake. You'd think they'd be a little bit slower pace, a little lower scoring, but it looks like they can kind of hang with, you know, arguably the top three offensive team, so. I guess, yeah. I mean, it does feel a little a little weird. Um, then I guess that's kind of the interesting with the NBA, right? Houston's kind of doubled down on, now that they've gotten rid of Carmelo, I mean, they've really scrapped the whole idea of a mid-range game. And Detroit's kind of still focusing on kind of the traditional five, traditional four, kind of that mid-2000s point guard, uh, Reggie Jackson kind of feel. Um, the Knicks upended Boston, 117-109. Are we sure that Boston is winning the East? And no, not at all. <laughs> um, it looks like the Celtics are kind of taking a nosedive, almost like Houston has been doing in the past month. Yeah, I think they've lost seven out of the last ten games. Something, something kind of crazy. A lot of, I think there's some locker room stuff going on there and a little bit in terms of, you know, hey, we've got all these great players, you know, which ones do we play when and then crunch time and end of quarters and starting off games and matchups. It's like got 12 players that can all play starting minutes. You know, how do you manage that? And one of the ways you do is I think, there's a rumor mill going out that Rozier's on the trading block. That's good. Yeah, I mean, I I think it's I think Boston probably would have to do like a three for one kind of deal, where you package Rozier and Marcus Morris together, <laughs> just to get rid of like two guys in exchange for one, just kind of even out the minutes to kind of the top seven guys. Yeah, right now they have, they kind of go nine deep, but I think if they get to like seven. That's probably what they really want. But then who knows? By the playoffs, I mean, sometimes in the playoffs, what you want is more depth. Well, you've got a very injury-prone uh, point guard there. It might not be bad to keep Terry around. Uh, speaking of, of keeping people around, uh, I saw an interesting stat that uh, the lineup of Irving... Uh, Tatum, Brown, Hayward, and Horford is like one of the three lowest 
offensive lineups in the league right now by like per 100 possessions I'm like that is that seems criminally insane to me like if you had told me that you know six months ago i'd be like what are you talking about like you've got you know perimeter threats all across the board and it comes down to i think just a lot of stagnation really it's kind of, it's it kind of feels like that philly effect from maybe a little while ago where it was like you got markel and simmons and Embiid, and whenever one of them holds the ball everyone else is kind of looking and watching and not a whole lot's mm-hmm. going on and uh yeah i mean i'm kind of starting to write that ship a little bit but yeah i suppose with boston out of that lineup you just mentioned hayward's kind of the only one that you think of like off ball movement um maybe jalen brown but as we've seen jason tatum this year is kind of doing a lot more iso Kyrie has obviously always kind of been a you know i'll take my shots kind of guy and then maybe it's just that you know horford isn't getting the ball enough because he seems like that guy that could kind of distribute around kind of you know play off the elbow a little bit and just kind of be a distributor but maybe teams have finally figured it out it's like look you know get a bunch of six eight guys and have them rotate on horford the whole time and stop leaving them open the whole time yeah um let's see speaking of six eight guys uh jabari and the chicago bulls uh beat phoenix by eight points battle of kind of two young teams you know two teams are probably not going to make the playoffs but might make for some fun here and there jabari posting 2013 and eight an all offense game really i mean both of these teams are definitely not known for their defense uh <laughs> you know, this could be a future you know nba finals matchup in about eight years but <laughs> that's a bit of a stretch but okay yeah i think jabari was probably being defended by Ariza the whole time so yeah, it feels pretty good if you're him i guess uh if there was a game out of this list i was going to watch this would be the last one i would watch <laughs> just off of i mean you're hoping for like a cool zach levine dunk which mm-hmm. it was a pretty notable one the other day they did like the did the up and under layup that jordan did off the shot fake and they did the side by side view on twitter and it was like superimposed it was like picture perfect which was kind of cool but i mean you're just watching that game for highlights really i mean neither of these teams are gonna make the playoffs and kind of just above the super mediocre line to get the first round pick so yeah and the marquee game uh for wednesday night was lebron's homecoming back to cleveland ended up being a pretty close game which the lakers uh pulled out uh by four points i think they were actually down by about seven or eight points with about five minutes to go and then lebron kind of flipped the switch even more kind of got got his uh newest team the win over his old team definitely do you think lebron has kind of (laughs) yeah do you think lebron has kind of learned that you know he's been posting some monster numbers here lately right 44 51 do you think he's kind of realized in the west you have to actually try in november and you can't wait until march i think part of it is that i think part of it is he is trying to get his team to rally with him. Mm-hmm. So, so that is not him so much being like, hey, I'm the best player, you know, listen to what I say. It's more of, hey, we can win games, folks. Like, <laughs> you know, we, we have uh, we have talent. You know, I'm still here. You know, the franchise isn't over because we had, you know, three weeks of difficulty. And just, I pulled up his most recent games. So, in the past 10 days, he's been averaging 35, 9, and 6. Oh, my gosh. Because he had that monster game versus Dwayne Wade uh, roughly a week ago. Mm-hmm. And, and, geez, Louise, like... If he stays on that pace, he's got to be in the conversation for MVP, right? Especially if the Lakers start moving up the the conference standings yeah i'd say if the lakers make the playoffs like not as an eighth seed 
and he's averaging, you know, not 35, but, you know, like 38 and 8, like, okay, yeah. yeah. Like, you've got a pretty good chance. Like, those are <laughs> statistically, like, really good MVP numbers. Who do you think's been the second best Laker uh, on that team so far? My vote's for JaVale McGee. Oh, I don't know. I I think the trick, and we I think we said this last time, too, was, you know, Ever since they added Tyson Chandler, they've been a lot better in terms of getting wins. I think Lance is my favorite Laker, though. Like, I love it how they got, like, like that time at the, like, middle of the second quarter where it's like, all right, guaranteed Lance minutes. Like, mm-hmm. we'll just give the ball to him no matter what. He's going to do something. And it's that's, like, my favorite part of watching that team. It's like Lance time. <laughs> <laughs> Um, the Lakers still need some shooting, and one thing they got I got exposed to in this Cleveland game was uh, Chetty Osman kind of ripped him apart. I think he shot like five, five of seven from three. Should they go after Chetty Osman and Kyle Korver? Yeah, I think so. Uh, well, J.R. Smith is looking like he's going to be on the trading block. It seems. Yeah, so the Cavs are in full blow it up mode finally. Mm-hmm. I don't think JR goes to Lakerland, though. I think he ends up somewhere Houston. else. Houston. Because we saw, uh, what was it, Caldwell Pope actually was pretty solid these past couple games, too, kind of being that JR Smith role for the Lakers. I mean, they still need another guy, but I, I don't think Smith goes to the Lakers. Uh, the game after that was a. Uh... Maybe a, maybe a potential Western Conference Finals meetup between Oklahoma City and Golden State. Uh, I guess the asterisk on the game was no Steph, no Draymond, no Boogie. And OKC ended up winning that game by 20, 28 points. That's close so, for the first half. I, I guess. Um, I guess, honestly, the most jarring thing for me was uh, – Golden State rolled out those city jerseys, and on TV they looked a lot more gray than blue, and it, it was kind of an ugly look. But what do you think's wrong with Golden State? KD's recently been fined, by the way, twenty five thousand dollars after uh, he swore at a fan. Yeah, that's not a good sign. It feels bad, man. Like. <laughs> something's going on there and hey I think I think this team's still good like oh yeah I think I mean they're they're still title favorites <laughs> yeah they're still like alright like you guys are gonna be like one seed two seed at the worst You're gonna go to the Western Conference Finals and then it might get a little dicey mm. and I feel like something on the way there could very much be Draymond just like throwing the ball out of bounds, like <laughs> at, at like the end of a game, just for no fucking reason. Like, right or um, in this particular game, with about ninety seconds before halftime, uh, Katie was the only like playmaker on the floor. Um, Clay was taking a rest, and so it's guys like Quinn Cook and um, Kevin Looney and stuff are on the floor with Katie, and. Uh, I think Kevin Looney's trying to set a screen, and he gets called with an offensive foul, and then Katie just like slams the ball like into the floor, like clearly frustration boiling over. So, do you think Steph could win an MVP on just sheer ability to pull together a team? Like team chemistry could win Steph an MVP. Ooh. I like the narrative, but I'm not sure. <laughs> there's like, enough substance. Yeah, you got to have the numbers. You know, if there's one thing we learned last year and even the year before with MVP and Rookie of the Year and everything, you got to have the numbers to back it up. Mm. Uh, I mean, it shouldn't be a problem for him and the kind of offensive revolution of the NBA right now. You got that team just looks so bad without Steph or Draymond. Like it looks worse than. The OKC teams with Kevin Durant and without Westbrook, <laughs> and that's that was yeah, his MVP year too. You gotta remember that. So that's a good point. Yeah, I mean, I guess it was kind of interesting because with OKC, I was kind of thinking, 
you know, Terrence Person got injured in that game. Diallo had a – it looked like a pretty gruesome injury, but I think it ended up just being an ankle sprain at the end of the day. And then still no Andre Robertson. And honestly, Russ still kind of looks a little – a little off from his uh, knee surgery and stuff. So it kind of makes you think OKC could still get better. Um, but, you know, favorite guy on the court all night was uh, Steven Adams uh, promoting his uh, Aquaman, Aquaman movie uh, by just kicking ass. I love, like, I think Steven Adams might be, like, my favorite non-superstar. Like, like he's just so solid. And he's, like... A big dude, like he doesn't take shit. He he like plays this game, doesn't really get in the way, and like always bangs with their best center and then gets kicked in the nuts like every <laughs> you know, playoff. <laughs> and he's one of the few guys uh still getting after offensive rebounds. You know, most teams have sort of stopped looking to kind of move into the transition game or transition defense. Um, Steven Adams still banging up on the boards. What do you make of the the Russell Westbrook Dennis Schroeder kind of backcourt together? They had a lot of good minutes when they were uh, both on the court at the same time. I think I like. I think I like it. You know, I think uh, getting Russ time off the ball when it's not Paul George ISO is really good. I think having another. <laughs> Quick attacking guards really nice because then in theory you could do like a one-two pick and roll with those guys and it would probably work out decently. I mean, you think sort of now more than ever, just as a a league-wide meta change, you know the the space and the pace, the general flow. You know, even Minnesota's doing this with Egan Rose. A lot of teams are kind of doing like the double point guard offense almost. Mm. And, yeah, it kind of seems like this was what they wanted two years ago when they had Oladipo. He, this was kind of what they were going for. Yeah, to an extent. I still think, you know, Schroeder isn't the most reliable guy. He's, he, he's got like, you know, a pretty nice... He's very streaky. Yeah, he's very streaky. You know, if that was a little more consistent guy that is... A little more willing to play make, you know, maybe more like uh, more like a, a Oladipo, you know, that might be good. Do you think this is the uh, best guard they've had in OKC to complement Russ since James Harden? I don't know. When Roberson was playing, like. He was guarding their best perimeter player. I I really liked Roberson. Mm. You know, that last year with KD there, and it was Russ Roberson, KD. Like, shit. That was really good complimentary <laughs> pieces. Uh, I guess just to round out some of the other games, uh, Denver edged Minnesota 103-101. Kind of a, a rematch of that play-in eighth seed from last year. Um, and Memphis basically stole a game against San Antonio and moved to top of the West. Yeah, look at that. Who would have thought? Memphis well, we sort of did. Uh, yeah, okay. I think we had them at like six. So I don't think we would have said they would have hit the number one spot, though. No, not at any point. Um, Conley and Gasol combined for 50 points. Um what do you kind of make about? Do you think you think Memphis is the real deal, and then likewise, do you think San Antonio can make a playoff run? I think this is two sides of the of a coin here of good regular season team and then uh, inverse playoff performance. I think I think San Antonio when they hit the playoffs, they'll kind of flip the switch a little bit, figure things out. You know, have the right strategy i think memphis is just a little bit of a a wrench to people right now like yeah, I don't yeah think they're that... definitely they're definitely zagging when everyone else is zigging or you know they're I mean, kind they've, of they've doubling down about it. you know gasol shoots a lot of threes now they, they have a little more of those like six five guards that can rotate on everything uh, i just think part of that team is nobody played against conley or gasol last year and it's 
there isn't the like uh scouting report isn't as like up to date on those guys. Mm. And then uh last game for Wednesday night, and we're only talking about them because they won, but the Kings uh beat the Jazz. Uh Darren Fox posted thirteen seven and thirteen assists. And Willie Colley Stein having a bit of a breakout year. Um his contract is up at the end of the season, so that might be part of the reason. But the Kings, oh yeah, boy, the Kings are. We might actually have to talk about the Kings. The Kings are going on a flow now. They had a pretty good game against OKC, uh, I think Monday as well. There's a weird rivalry with those two teams now. Uh, a, lot, a lot of spouting going on with Westbrook and pretty much everybody on the Kings. Is, is this right. the beginning of like, a, a King's win streak? Like, uh, what is going on here? I, I really I don't know how to put into pieces. I mean, it does make sense, right? If you think for 15 years, they've basically drafted in the top six. So it's like a very long trust the process type of position, <laughs> I suppose. So eventually they eventually have to get good. I don't, I don't know. Um I guess here are some other kind of points, and then we'll kind of we'll we'll see if we can jump in. Let's see if see if we have some time for the mailbag. Um, do you think the combination of John Wall and Boogie Cousins are the worst uh, team chemistry guys to come out of Kentucky ever? Uh, Washington is committed to the full blow up now. I think, along with the Cavs. Well, I think the way to answer that question. Is is uh pounds the chemistry problem in the Timberwolves <laughs> land? Oh, that's maybe it's a Calipari thing. Oh, but then you got but then you got Derrick Rose. I mean, yeah, Devin Derek. Booker too. Oh, now you're bringing up some good points here. Uh, Anthony Davis. So everyone wants to play with Anthony Davis. It seems like a good guy. So I think. I guess it, I guess you're right. I think it seems like John Wall. We found all these Reddit <laughs> posts and comments and quotes from people saying he kind of steps over the coaching staff and barks over them, and definitely is kind of a airhead in in private when it comes to mm-hmm. working with the team, which is not his numbers. He gets his numbers to support that, but he does it by being a hothead. So it's like, it's a hard, you know, it's, it'd be one thing if LeBron did it or like Anthony Davis did it because they clearly have the accolades to support them kind of getting their way. But what what is John Wall's real claim to fame? He's just like... A pass really fast. really fast guy. And he hasn't, <laughs> the team hasn't won anything. I mean, he was in a dunk contest, but that's about it. It's like, uh, so Washington is kind of just firing up their trade trade machine. Um, on this team, John Wall, Bradley Beal, Otto Porter Jr., Kelly Oubre. Who's kind of the most coveted? Do you think Washington should try to move? Well. They should probably move John Wall because he's their chemistry problem. However, you ain't going to get a good deal for him because he's the <laughs> chemistry problem. That puts you in a hard spot. So then the other way is to pull the rug out under him and trade Bradley Beal to somewhere, and then mm-hmm. Wall has no help. Uh, so Beal obviously has a lot of good places he could go. Most notably is probably L.A. Since L.A. needs another guard. He's a guy that can shoot, kind of be their starting two, really, next to LeBron. Also an L.A. guy, I believe. And that that kind of idea of Beal going to L.A. has been floating around social media for a couple days now. Doesn't seem too bad to me. I think there's some other spots he could probably go to. Uh, Maybe... What do you think about New Orleans? Yeah, I was, I was thinking like Dallas and New Orleans just a minute ago. Maybe even Memphis, really. Miami. Eh. 
Like, I don't know why anybody would want to go to Miami. Uh, so, I guess, speaking of Miami, I was kind of thinking about this the other day, right? When people are kind of saying uh, things that you're thankful for. And it kind of got me thinking of things that I've already kind of forgotten about the NBA. One of them is Hassan Whiteside. I've, I've almost completely forgotten that he is a player in the NBA. Yeah, it's really funny how Miami just we don't talk about it at all. Like, nobody does. And anytime you hear Miami, it's never a player. It's Pat Riley. It's not like Dion Waiters or. Uh, what about the, what about what about this for a trade? Uh, Bradley Beal to Miami uh, in exchange for Spolstra to Washington. I don't know. Can you trade a coach for a player? I don't know if that's like a legal move, but I'm Washington. I I I, I might take that deal. I don't know if you can trade coaches like that, but <laughs> it wouldn't be a bad idea. I don't see Spolster ever leaving Miami, though. Um, yeah, so some other things I had on this list of things I've forgotten was until this, until this Wednesday. I forgot Blake Griffin was a Piston, basically. Just, no one really cares. No one's really talking about him. You know, just kind of things that I think we forgot. Yeah, Mo- I really you know, need Mo- to watch a Pistons game, like from start to finish. Yeah. Manu Ginobili retired. Nobody really talks about that one anymore. DeAndre Ayton, Marvin Bagley, Trey Young, Doncic. I think a lot of that hype is kind of settled. I think Blake has actually like really changed his game up a lot, but I haven't watched enough to really know if it was just a <laughs> fluke or not. Like he's kind of playing like a, and he was he could do it back in Clipperland a little bit, but he's really got the keys to be the point forward, and he mm. actually has more of a long range shot now, which is. It still looks weird, but it goes in. Um, I don't know. I need to see it to believe it. Yeah, and then the last two things that I kind of forgot, you know, they're kind of hand-in-hand. One is Devin Booker's hand injury from right before the season began. Kind of of just mysteriously disappeared. And then same thing with LeBron. You know, LeBron's coming off an injury uh, in the NBA Finals after game one where he uh, supposedly maybe kind of sort of broke his hand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, isn't that crazy? How how quickly we forget. I mean, you know, we're talking about all these other guys that are coming off injuries, right? Conley and Gasol and KP eventually and Boogie. But, I mean, we're just forgetting about LeBron. I mean, he went through a lot. Yeah, and that, that game was scary too, that first one. <laughs> Where you had like 50, 10, and 10 or something. Yeah, something ridiculous. And we're like, oh my god, LeBron stole the best player. Oh my god. <laughs> They're going to go to seven. <laughs> then he broke his hand and screwed up the whole thing. Yep, yep, basically. I mean, Thanks to JR. Yeah. Uh, you think it's time to jump into some, mail- some mailbag, some conspiracies? We can, yeah, let's start with the mailbag here. So we obviously have been slacking on this for a couple weeks now, but we do appreciate your mailbag as always. So first question comes from an anonymous user, but they ask us, who is your current favorite player on the Hornets? <laughs> uh, I'm going to pass. I'll let you take that one. My current favorite player on the Hornets is... I actually really like uh, Marvin Williams. Oh, interesting. He's he's my favorite player solely from a like 2K standpoint. So basically, <laughs> there's this mode in 2K where you open packs and you collect players kind of like trading cards and then you play against other people online with it and stuff. And uh, in different, there's different game modes where you have sort of like rarity and like budget restrictions. And I almost always try and get Marvin Williams because he's like, uh, like a budget, super budget, like uh, pick and roll, pick and pop. You know, can hit the three sometimes from like the corners or the key, and he's still like reasonably good at crashing the boards. Uh, so I always like putting him on my team. So I'll run like, uh, you know, like George Hill and Marvin Williams, like. Picking pops in this budget league. Uh, what do you think of the French connection between Tony Parker and Nicholas Batum? 
I like it, but I like the double point guard strat of Tony Parker and Kemba a lot better to close mm-hmm. out games. Another one of those double point guard teams. Uh, do you think there's another mailback question? Uh, do you think there's too much blame on Melo nowadays? Do you think people are overhyping the blame Melo should get for uh, failures in OKC and now Houston? I guess, is Melo underrated? Here's the thing. I think if you put (laughs) Melo, like if he was magically on New York again right now, like they didn't lose any players, I think he'd be actually pretty good. Like I think he'd be like, you know, 19 and 5 or something like that. Like he wouldn't be bad. Mm -hmm. Like clearly not a superstar, but like solid. But like on any competing team, like how do you like like there's so much that you have to make up for with him, it seems like like he's got the Michael Beasley effect almost and he's not a <laughs> donor right now. I, I think uh... Melo's got a chance. I think I think there's a reasonable chance that Melo gets picked up somewhere. I'm just it's hard to see where, really. Uh, Washington. Him and Dwight could just play the uh, the uh, you know, mid two thousands game. The Eastern All Stars lineup from four years ago. <laughs> I guess, yeah. Uh, if you could play a position on any NBA team, what would it be? Right, assuming like I'm reasonable stature for each of these positions, uh, I'd probably pick two guard because. One guard has way too much responsibility bringing the ball up and like offensively. Mm. Two guard, all you got to do is run around screens. You don't have to guard the best defensive player or offensive player. And it's the least loaded in terms of like competition from a like best two guard in the league standpoint. So are you trying to model your game more like Clay or more like T Mac? Let's think about it this way, like what's like your top five two guards in the league right now? In the league right now. Uh not in any particular order, but just like names. Uh Clay does Harding get counted as a two guard or is he now basically embraced point guard? I count him as a one. Because okay. he brings the ball up. Uh Booker, are we counting Booker in the same kind of thing as Harden? Is he is he a yeah. point now? Um I guess Bradley Beal's gotta get thrown in there. So rather be a Clay, uh, Drew Holiday, maybe, and then let's see. All right, here's here's what I was gonna say. I was gonna say McCollum. Clay, Clay McCollum, Beal, um, and then DeRozan. Ah yes, DeRozan. And um, you could say Jimmy. Who Bowen does it? Too. Who does it on the? Who's a who's a box two guard? Chris Milton. Okay, does Middleton get counted as a two guard? Oh, uh, yes, yeah, Brogdon. I think that's Chris Middleton. So, of all those players, you've got like you don't have like a <laughs> like you know it's not like really great when you think about it. You know, yeah, yeah. It, you don't have like the the Kobe two Kobe T Mac Kobe T Mac Jordan. Yeah. That's that's kind of where yeah. I would try and fit in. I feel like that's Rip a Hamilton. Niche. Rip Hamilton, best two guard of his generation. I mean, you could say he's Dwayne Wade, guard. but he's not really he's around. <laughs> uh, what do you think LeBron is pumping into his body? Loads of HGH. Cool. <laughs> Just what he drinks every day. Um. All right. Let me get some. Should the NBA get rid of the draft? All right, so it's a hard one because they have to get new players somehow. So what's the what's the replacement mechanism? I guess uh, you can do out of high school. Um, you can just sign them to kind of. So I guess like it's just a the this, more? Well, I guess the origin of this question came when I was thinking about uh like soccer. So there you you know there's no there's no like draft type mechanism right like it's just teams 
going after players, but obviously the you know the talent pool is obviously much more uh, global and 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 large and things. Um, but there isn't that kind of intermediary kind of draft position, right? Um, like a team like Manchester United or Barcelona are free to go after whoever they want, and they can sign them at the ages of like you know 10, 14, 16, 18, 33. It doesn't really matter. Um, you know, so should the NBA kind of do the same thing? Um, I guess the real problem is the idea of a salary cap thrown in there, but that's sort of the idea. Do you think like do you think the draft is really helping? Kind of help judging talent, really. Like, do you think someone like DeAndre Ayton should be forced to go to the Suns simply because they're the worst team? No. So that's because it's a that's the, the NBA draft is a communist mechanism to make the NBA a socialist society. You think so? I think it's actually the exact opposite. <laughs> I think it's rigged. I just don't think it's rigged to be beneficial to everybody. I think uh, it's yeah, far I more mean, talk about the Cavs, right? The Cavs will always get the number one pick, so therefore. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, no, no. I think I think like uh, if you. I hate getting rid of the salary cap idea. But if you could get rid of the salary cap and say, like, all right, everybody's just a free agent, pretty much. Mm. You can sign them for however much. Then, you know, would the players then course correct themselves to say, all right, I'll take less money but play for this organization, you know? Or what if they – you can keep a team salary cap, but you can say – you get, like, one slot for every team where you can pay this guy, um, you know, like there's no cap on that individual thing, right? So like a guy like LeBron, right? Like, uh, or Katie or like um, Chris Ball or like, any, you know, Steph, any of these top guys, right? Like they, their salary is still capped out at like a max amount, right? What if you could just pay LeBron however much money you wanted um, that goes against like your salary cap and then whatever you have left is what you have to work with to get a, like to build up the rest of the roster. I could play. I could pay LeBron like thirteen trillion dollars. Well, you can. So, like, let's say, let's say, all right, I'll break down the math so it's like a little bit easier. Let's say that each team has a hundred million dollars to work with. You can pay LeBron however much you want out of that hundred million, but then whatever you're left with is what you're left with to build up the other eleven guys. You have no like personal maxes, but you have an overall team max. Is what you're saying? Yeah, I guess something like that. Yeah. I'd be okay with that. It'd make the math a lot easier. Um, I I think I I I would have to really look at the numbers on this and take like an actual look in salaries and taxes and all those things. But I like the idea of like a free market player pool, especially coming out of college, because then it's like, all right. You know, this player that's potentially worse could get paid a lot solely because they're in a niche position. So mm. that's something you don't see in the draft because you'll see like best available talent for like the first 10 picks. And then you'll say, see like by need for like the next 20 picks. And, and where that line intersects is then who would get paid like shitloads of money. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, it would probably help with taking on so many of these bad contracts that you see guys come across, right? Um, like the Chandler Parsons contract or a Hassan Whiteside contract or an Evan Turner type contract, right? You probably would see not so many of those. I don't know. I feel like at the same time, though, you would see, you know, it would just be like, your big market teams would stay big and your small market teams would stay small because mm. the budget wouldn't be there. Like, how, how is, like, Milwaukee going to pay for Zion Williamson as opposed to the Lakers, <laughs> you know? And that's always been the problem, right? It's like, all right, you know, these small market teams already have a problem trying to keep yeah. their good talent. Um. All right, I'll do one more and then I'll let you... Uh take off so you can play with your new uh, Microsoft Surface tablet on this Black Friday. Um, this one's not so much of a question as, as I guess, delving into that conspiracy 
um, a little bit more kind of surrounding the NBA. Um, kind of want your take on this, but the conspiracy basically goes that Nike pulled the strings for Kevin Durant to go to Golden State because they wanted a Nike guy, a Nike-sponsored guy, on a championship team to compete on the shoes market. So it wasn't, in fact, Golden State courting them with, you know, the the Hamptons Five death lineup or Kevin Durant wanting, uh, you know, to leave Russell Westbrook. It was actually Nike that was behind this move in 2016 for Kevin Durant to go to Golden State. What do you think? Huh. I actually hadn't heard this conspiracy before. It's because I just made it up. It seems plausible. You know, I think in the past six months, we've talked more <laughs> about conspiracies between two deals, agents, uh, like friends and family, then surprisingly polls more than you think. I mean, you think these days kids getting recruited out of middle school get signed to a Nike and then they got to go to a Nike high school and a Nike college and then a Nike NBA team and Nike does the jerseys now. It's like, well, you know, maybe they're totally... Somebody pulled on the shoestrings there. At the same time, I always they always do these like uh, articles on like the shoes of the NBA Finals, and you know you got like Steph in his like white and gold Under Armour, you got Clay in his like Chinese, Chinese yeah. which are actually really good shoes by the way. It's just you, they're so <laughs> like they don't say Nike on them. Uh, you got Draymond, who's actually a Nike athlete. I mean, he doesn't have like a signature, but he's got like a logo and a personal editions. Uh, I think Boogie's a Nike guy too. Um, I mean, LeBron's obviously a Nike guy. Right, right. That's I mean, that's kind of what made me think, right? So, Golden State, Cleveland, they played in back-to-back years in the finals, um, 2015, 2016, and so Nike looking to cash in on. You know, we we, we got to make sure either LeBron keeps winning, so we got we can keep selling Nikes, or if Golden State's gonna win, you know, those Steph shoes, those clay shoes, they're gonna get a slightly more market share. So to kind of, you know, creep in on that, we're gonna we're gonna throw a, a, a one of our guys on that team. I I don't think it's a bad idea. I just don't think that KD's Nike shoes are that big of a market share. Like when I'm thinking Nike shoes of like professional models, right? I'm thinking Kobe's, LeBron's. I see a lot of KDs out there, man. I think I think I, I'm I have no stats behind any of what I'm saying, but especially I, in that California market. I think Paul George has a bigger Nike sneaker share than KD. I mean, I get, he hasn't had a line as long, but there, it's like the budget model. A lot more players wear the Paul Georges than the KDs. Yeah, but KDs now got that California market. All those kids growing up in Southern California. He's close to Beaverton, I guess. Closer. <laughs> I'm going to say, I'm going to veto this, but I like where your head's at. <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> and so that will uh, I'll wrap us up here. Let us know in the comments what you think. If you think uh, KD magically went to Golden State as part of some underhanded Phil Knight deal with the, the Nike shoes. Uh, and of course, you can always send us mailbag uh, and questions, comments, concerns at the description or in the email provided below. Uh, and as always, we love to shout out one hard in the paint viewer of the Fortnite. This week's viewer of the Fortnite is. I actually don't have the list pulled up. Michael, who's the viewer of the Fortnite? Uh, that kid from Zaga that crushed Duke. All right, way to go, kid from Zaga that crushed Duke. You're the best. Good luck. I don't think you'll beat Duke again, but it'll be a fun game to watch. And with that, we'll see you all next time for more interesting and wacky NBA talk.